Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. It'd be great if you were like if you started choking. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. Back with me this week is Mr. Jerry. Me. What's up, Jerry? Not much, Pat. I'm hangry. You're hangry. I heard you ordered your food um, just about two hours ago. <laughs> yeah, it just got delivered, and now we have to record, so I can't eat it. <laughs> you said you put it in your fridge, which is like to me so sad. I would just left, I would have <laughs> yeah, yeah. just left it out on my counter. Yeah, well, it was sushi, so that wouldn't have been a good idea. But yeah, you ever just get food from the delivery guy and then immediately put it in your refrigerator? That's I've literally never done that. A, that is a huge bummer. That's a sign of defeat, Pat. But this is what that's I do for our listeners. Bummer. This is my dedication, so you guys don't hear me just like chomping away at the microphone. <laughs> yeah, I would just chew. If it was me, I would just be chewing. I would just be chewing. They can deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> just hear me uh, just straight shooting some wasabi in the yeah. background of the it'd cast. It'd be great if you were like, ch- if you started choking. <laughs> you had to give yourself like the self Heimlich maneuver. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> we just hear you like yakking in the bed. <laughs> I just want the clip of that. It would be great if you just started choking. Oh, thanks. The first podcast death of all time. Like the first on air. Po- like we'd air it too, obviously, because, you know. Because you, you have no shame. <laughs> because integrity. <laughs> So, uh, how's your week been, man? What have you been up to? Oh, just been super busy getting this uh, tournament set up, Pat. We're in the final countdown. One week to go. Very exciting. Yeah, it's uh, this Saturday in uh, Active Massachusetts at Gaming, etc. That's really, really awesome. I'm very excited for the the tournament. I can't wait. Hell yeah. In fact, I mean, we're already planning the next one because these things take so much planning. Um, Yes, and because we're we're masochists. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um but yeah so got next one in the works already we're gonna release dates for that probably right after uh once we actually get it finalized really Mm -hmm. um but we got some sweet stuff lined up uh next one i think we're gonna do bigger and better been in talks we couldn't get food trucks for this one it was uh just a bit too tight for the food trucks for this time around but we already have food trucks lined up for the next one uh plus some magic artists and i think we gotta we gotta talk to michelle and gaming etc and get all the details finalized but people have been asking for it i think we want to do a two-day event for the next one yeah that would be super cool yeah and then that allows us when we have two days you know we can have the legacy main event and then we can also have you know expanded out to like vintage old school right you know do do other uh other formats and you know an old school one would be pretty cool actually yeah also i want to say i'm interested to see how much of this excitement translates to the legacy unchained event because people have been really pumped so i've been getting all sorts of emails and messages about the unchained event um so yep. if that's a huge success we'll definitely be running the legacy unchained event back yeah that'll be awesome so, but yeah, that's basically my my week. I did get to play a little bit of Legacy, but I I feel like we need uh, someone on the cast pad who just live and lives and breathes in the trenches of Legacy. <laughs> you think we have someone like that? Uh, I mean, it's not me, so oh, I hope we have clearly. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't sleeved up a Legacy deck in uh, a few months now, so we need someone who's got some uh, some experience in the format. Well, uh, what you got, Pat? What you got up your sleeve? 
Well, of course we have. Uh, well, we we tried to get Negator Seven Seven on the cast. We couldn't. We had to settle for for Duplicatore, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, I mean Negator Seven Seven is pretty hard to get hold of. <laughs> he is. He is. He's kind of gone incommunicado lately. But we have on the cast our returning uh, favorite depth pilot, Tom Hep. What's going on, Tom? Not much. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Can't complain. I'm uh, gonna disappoint. It's been a while since I've sl- actually sleeved up a deck of magic cards. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, we're doing great tonight. <laughs> yeah, I, f- I feel like Magic Online is a good substitute, right? It's a- it's close enough. Yeah, it's no. not quite paper magic, but it's close. Yeah, no sleeves. <laughs> no sleeves, though. No sleeves. <laughs> I mean, I it's definitely past the point. Like, there's definitely been way more games of Legacy played on Magic Online than in paper in the entire history of the format. Like that's that's not that's got to be a true statement, right? Um, I don't know how big Legacy was on Moto going back. Because when did Legacy started? Like eight, nine years ago, something like that. Yeah, but Moto was around back then too. Like, yeah, I just don't know how how heavily it was yeah. played back then. That's but true. Definitely if, over the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even just like the fact like that I can play a Moto game at three in the morning and get my Legacy fix in. Um, there's definitely a lot of 3 a.m. Uh, legacy matches taking place that uh, kind of tips it in the favor of Moto Scales. Jerry does not play Legacy at 3 a.m. He plays Eve at 3 a.m. Don't lie. Jerry. Uh, no, I multi-box Pat. I, I, I play both. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what, what's the uh, what's the MTGO uh, meta look like at 3 a.m.? Um, a lot of combo mirror matches is what I have found. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. Um, I actually this week I. Uh, I will start actually starting two weeks ago. Um, I was on the cast last week, but I want to talk about the uh, Sweet New Underworld Breach deck that's kind of making waves because I've been I played probably I want to say seven or eight leagues with the Underworld Breach deck so far, and that's all you're going to be playing for the rest of the month, right, Jerry? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I unfortunately forgot to return the deck after a league, and I checked my account balance and realized that all my uh, <laughs> rental hours have been expired. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> can't can't rent any new decks for the rest of the month because I accidentally used up all my hours. <laughs> it's like probably the younger generation isn't going to ever experience this feeling. But have you ever like opened the trunk of your car and found like a blockbuster VHS that you rented <laughs> like <laughs> two months ago? <laughs> it's like that feeling. <laughs> the only way you could have a more dated reference if you started talking about library books <laughs> yeah <laughs> paper products what are those <laughs> so tell us tell us about this underworld breach deck jerry because i'm not super familiar with it yet uh it's really interesting and cool so i definitely underrated breach when breach got spoiled everyone was kind of like eh, maybe we talked about it on the cast we did but I'm pretty sure we were down on it on the cast. Well, I said I said there's probably a place where it fits, but I'm not a good enough storm pilot to know wh- where that is. I was, but it seemed like a powerful card. I was down on it. Okay, and I know exactly why I was down on it is I misunderstood the card when it got spoiled. Ah. Um. So with that, I thought it was more like a past and flames effect, where once you cast the spell, it's exiled on resolution. Not the case. <laughs> that card goes back to your graveyard, and you can cast it as many times as you want, so long as you have other cards in your graveyard to escape with. Why would they need to? Why would they need to exile the cards when it's half the casting cost of Past and Flames? 
Yeah, I mean, why would it be better than that's what you're saying? Like, why is it? Why does it need to be? Uh, you know, as as bad as past in flames uh, disadvantages when it costs half as much? That's a good question, Tom. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I do love though is that it this deck brought back Brain Freeze, which is one of my favorite cards from back in the day. Uh, one of my first legacy decks was I sleeved up uh, Alurin when Brain Freeze was the win condition in Alurin because Eldrazi hadn't been printed yet and there wasn't any like shuffle your graveyard back into your library effect seeing play. Stunning that the guy that runs three to four copies of Emrakul in his favorite deck would enjoy Brain Freeze. <laughs> yeah, I'm really pro everyone sleeving up Brain Freeze as their win condition in this format, guys. That would be great. <laughs> But the thing is, the Underworld Breach deck can win e- even if it's against uh, like uh, Emrakul or the other Eldrazi because you brain freeze yourself. I guess we should just talk about like how the deck works. Yeah, yeah. Start with that first, and maybe uh, drop a link in the show notes so I can put that in the sh- in the uh, in the episode notes for our listeners who are playing along at home. Yeah, I don't know if there's like uh, an actual fit. Well, there's definitely not a stock list out for it because people are still experimenting with it. I've been playing the blue red version, but I know. Uh, the blue white red version has been seeing some play, but I don't really have any experience with that. Have you played against it at all, Tom? I'm sure you have. I, I have one match against one Breach. match. Yeah, one match. But if you're gonna link one, I would definitely link uh, the blue uh, the blue white red version. The blue white um, red version. Yeah, yeah. It it literally went first and top four in the in the showcase challenge on Sunday. Oh damn! Uh, yeah, yeah, let me find that list for that. Stefan won the event. Oh, I actually saw, I think, a screen cap of his from uh, the fi- I don't know if it was the finals or the, the last round of Swiss. Uh, did you, are you familiar with that? I, let's see if I can find it, actually. It was kind of wild. Oh, so, um, this, so this took place yesterday. Um, so the list just got posted. Um, so yeah, so uh, one Thassa's Oracle, four Ponder, four Preordain, four Brain Freeze, four Brainstorm, three Enlightened Tutor, Four Force of Will, two Orem's Chant. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> one Back to Negation, one Spell Pierce, uh, one Defense Grid Main. That's super interesting. Uh, one Grinding Station, four Lion's Eye Diamond, four Lotus Petal, uh, one Seal of Cleansing, one Seal of Renewal, four Underworld Breach, uh, and then a, a pretty sta- standard. Well, actually, only. One Volcanic Island, one Tundra. The rest is just basics and fetches. So this is actually, like, a really budget-friendly deck, too. Yeah, this is, uh... uh, uh, So, Jerry, is this similar to the list you were running? No, the one I'm running is much more, uh, like, Blue-Red Delvery style. Um, It's running Young Pyromancer as an alternate win condition to go Mm -hmm. off of with uh, Underworld Breach, and then uh, Lightning Bolts, because then you can just, uh, say you do run into the Emrakul deck, uh, you just uh, brain freeze yourself, fill up your graveyard uh, with uh, your library, and then you can either win with uh, Thassa's Oracle, uh, or if for whatever reason Thassa's Oracle isn't working, you can use Lightning Bolt. Uh, and like I was saying before, because the card itself doesn't exile, even if you only have one Lightning Bolt in your graveyard, you can just Lightning Bolt them over and over and over again until they're dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that was the version I was playing. Um, this one seems a bit more controlling. Yeah, it has that aspect. It also has the Monastery Mentor for the backup plan, which is basically a better version of Young Pyromancer. Right, exactly. 
Um, yeah. Is this the version that you played against, Tom, or did you play against the blue-red version? I played against this version. You played against this version? Yeah. How'd, how'd you do? Uh, I won, but it was a, it was a really weird um, match. I basically had a ley line immediately, and we fought over some things, but it never that never got off the board. So, yeah, I don't know whether their draw steps were were a little bad. I don't know whether they um, didn't expect a ley line out of a depth deck, so maybe their sideboarding was a little off, and they only got one shot. It was only two games, so. Uh- my experience with the deck is depths is actually a pretty difficult matchup. I don't. I think I lost most most of my depths matches that I was playing with this deck. Um, and what I also noticed, uh, this deck was a lot better two weeks ago than it was this week. Like my win percentage definitely went down as people learned how to play against the deck and what the deck was actually doing. And also, I just noticed that there's just a bunch of leyline of uh, the voids out there. And I think it's a combination of this deck and also uh, Hogak being so popular. Yeah, I think those two things are big deals. But so, yeah, the, the the issue is people started to become aware, I think, or, or at least they are now, that this deck runs multiple silences, multiple Orem's chants. So, you know, interaction that's not basically a permanent is really going to be an issue. Yeah, like I definitely won some early games with this deck with people just like just not knowing how to play against it like i would cast lion's eye diamond my opponent would force a will it and then i'm like okay cast lion's eye diamond again (laughs) like (laughs) i can play things from my graveyard (laughs) this isn't going to stop me (laughs) yeah that might that must be just a muscle memory thing from right yeah. yeah exactly exactly so like people are just like they're used to their traditional lines of play against these cards and when they see them in this new way they like make poor decisions not because you know it it they're dumb but just because it's like it's they go into autopilot mode yeah i think the last month or so when tests started to become a much bigger deal and now this deck uh it's it's basically a clinic on how broken lion's eye diamond is (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think what was it uh rodney uh made a post uh it was like imagine underworld breach is the card that gets uh lion's eye diamond banned in legacy (laughs) 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 which i don't think so i think that's just some tongue-in-cheek i don't think lion's eye diamond's anywhere near being uh bannable but It is just funny to think about because, yeah, of all the things that like Lion's Eye Diamond has traditionally been a card that people it, like it's built around me. Like people try and find ways to break uh, Lion's Eye Diamond. I think Underworld Breach is like one of the most egregious ways to break Lion's Eye Diamond. Not only do you have a uh, Black Lotus, you also have infinite Black Lotuses as long as you have cards in your graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Lion's Eye Diamond is pretty good with the Ogmos Will, so why not reduce the casting cost and let you use it? multiple times so <laughs> right that's the other thing that got me i think when i first read under world breaches i assumed it was like past and flames and it was only instants and sorceries nope you could just do creatures <laughs> like there would be games where i would just uh underworld uh, underworld breach brain freeze myself cast young pyromancer from my graveyard and then like cast a whole bunch of uh, cantrips and all of a sudden i'm looking at like 10 power on the board going from basically an empty hand like it the deck does some dumb stuff yeah i've seen it kill on turn one and it's very very wrong that a <laughs> spell pierce force of will and orange chant enlightened tutor deck is killing people on the first turn right <laughs> <laughs> oh man 
But uh, the deck is definitely cool. Um, it's really interesting to see it play. Um, and the Thassa's Oracle, it's like, also we're just going to repr- uh, print an alternate win condition for you, uh, just that you can throw in there. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? On the uh, off chance, if this deck's not good enough, maybe maybe down the line we'll print something else and we can break Cephalid Breakfast or Oops All Spells. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good card to have around in case in case people <laughs> honestly really want to have more turn one kills yeah. i mean honestly i was gonna say when this deck came out that it reminded me a lot of oops all spells or cephalid breakfast but honestly I, I this deck's just the better version of it like i don't honestly i don't think there's a reason to play oops all spells or cephalid breakfast as long as underworld breach exists i think it's just the best version of that strategy no i would agree with that 100 percent um so yeah i mean this is a very very competitive uh deck though i'm sure it's going to lead to some interesting situations where you just end up killing yourself because your opponent just gets you (laughs) yeah well we'll see how it is when people adjust both and as you mentioned earlier getting used to playing against the deck and you know learning how to sideboard against the deck and then possibly changing slots to address it depending on how good it ends up being um, but yeah, it certainly uh, opened a lot of eyes this weekend. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, good stuff. Uh, the other new deck that's on the horizon right now that I want to call attention to because it's a perf- it's a uh, special place in my heart. Uh, uh, Rodney Hennington, um, the original inventor of Dreadstill, uh, came out with a new Dreadstill list that he's been working on with the new Scroll of Fate that got printed, I think, in the Commander set. Um, and he said he's been putting up some results with it, uh, getting a couple of, uh, undefeated 5-0s and a bunch of 4-1s. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to sleeve this up. How, how do you feel just Delver decks in general are in the in the meta online right now, Tom? You mean like how, what, like if they're one of the better decks? Yeah, like, uh, well, in relation to delver's history in the format like would you say delver's at a low at a high like where would you place it uh, it's heavily played online mm-hmm. i think it's easily one of the top two decks yeah like the uh the specifically the blue red uh dread horde arcanist decks yeah dread horde Ar- arcanist is uh insane nice it basically if you don't die or it doesn't die the following turn you just start to take the game over yeah. Pretty, cons- pretty consistently and delver's always got delver tools so whenever i play against that deck and delver has always been a pretty favorable matchup for depths um and that card swings it hard like if they're not dead the turn that comes down against depths you know you're doing things like bogging them right to stop to stop them from <laughs> looking at seven to eight cards minimum during their turn and they're finding their two ofs and for brazen borrowers and they just have so much access to everything that yeah it's a very very good both both grixis and blue red are both very good shells right now yeah um rodney though is taking it in a different direction with his delver list it really reminds me of kind of the old school uh list from like 2010 2011 um so he's got the good the shell of delver so four brainstorm four delver four force of will four days uh four spell pierce uh four lightning bolt uh but then he's running uh the four phyrexian dreadnought four stifle and then the four standstill package man can i just say standstill is criminally underplayed in legacy like standstill needs to see more play i agree 
That card, <laughs> that card is so good. <laughs> it was the original busted draw three way before Treasure Cruise. <laughs> it's, um, the, it's the number one way I draw three cards with my depth deck. It, yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so he's running standstill and then taking advantage of standstill. Besides the. Uh, Mistress Factories in the mana base that we'll get to in a minute. He's running uh, four Scroll of Fate, uh, which is an artifact for three, and it has tap manifest a card from your hand. Pat, do you remember what manifest even is? Manifest? Is that the thing where you pay three to put it face down? Or no, you you like pay some amount, put it face down, and then pay another amount to turn it face up. I hate that mechanic, by the way. I don't like mechanic at all. <laughs> Isn't there like a um, like the mask? Isn't there like a a weird mask card that does that too? Uh, illusion, illusion, yeah, illusion, illusion, mask, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> that card is one of the most confusing cards. It's in all of it's Magic. like it's awful. It's the so templating and the words are just so awful. I think it got rewritten a couple of times too. Like the article text was always different every time you go back and look. So bad. It's a great card though. I used to love the I used to love the dreadnought illusionary mask combo back in the day. It's true. So manifest, the way it works is so different uh, spells and abilities trigger manifest. And if you put a card face down onto the battlefield and you treat it as a two, two creature, um, which is nice because with scroll of fate and standstill, you can sit under a standstill and just keep dumping two twos onto the board until your opponent finally breaks the standstill and lets you draw cards and drawing cards off a standstill is nice. But honestly, the biggest benefit of standstill is the psychological advantage I feel standstill gives. Like, how many times, Tom, have you been playing it against an opponent and you're just thinking, they should really just break the standstill here, otherwise I'm going to win the game. And then they they just don't. They just don't break the standstill even when it is the right call to do so. Yeah, I think a lot of people just don't get reps against it. You know, if you're casually playing like a league a week or less of legacy you're just playing your locals every now and then how often are you reasonably going to play against a standstill deck right like once a year maybe (laughs) in that kind of scenario so you're sitting down you're playing against it you're really you know you don't have any like sure a lot of players will figure it out but you know some people may just think it depending on what list they're running their, their chances of going long or better right Exactly. Um, so standstill with a uh, scroll of fate is great. So you dump all these two twos onto the board, and then Pat, the part the part of manifest you are missing is uh, if the card you manifest is a creature card, you can turn it face up for its mana cost. Oh, okay, that's what it is. So fraction dreadnought is a twelve twelve trampler for one. So you manifest it with scroll of fate, pay one and flip it up, and you just got a twelve twelve for free, and. Because you manifested it, the comes into play trigger ability with Phyrexian Dreadnought never happens. Uh, interesting. Um, so yeah, this is just a uh, sweet take. It's like old school Delver Tempo, um, Wasteland st- Stifle Days package. So even if you're not comboing them with Dreadnought, you can just win on the mana denial pa- plan. Um, you know, Days Stifle Wasteland's a pretty brutal trifecta if you uh, get the engine running. Absolutely. And have you guys ever attacked anyone with a face down two, two days? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Here's a question for you. And Tom, Tom, you might be more, um, uh, you might be in a better position to kind of talk about this, but I'm looking at the challenge, uh, deck lists here. And so I haven't really gotten to play on magic online and, and I mean, forever, I, I sold my collection not that long ago because I needed the money for it. But 
This this is like a pretty uh diverse metagame, at least in the challenge. I mean there's there's a there's a few uh copies of Blue Red Delver in here, but like you see everything from like Loam, Dredge, I mean there's two copies of Underworld Breach, there's Lands, Death and Taxes, Mono Red Prison, Reanimator, Sneak and Show. There's some um uh Oko decks in here. Obviously, uh Tom is repping Turbo Depths. But we see like a Belcher, Elves, Esper Hate Bears, Ninjas, like Slivers, Blue Black Reanimator. This is like a pretty amazing, like this is maybe one of the coolest challenge uh, postings that I've seen in a while. And I'm just curious to see if it's kind of been that way for you, Tom, or if this is just kind of a, a one off here. Can I just can I just say I lost the Belcher the other day because I didn't realize it was Belcher until too late. Like I have not played <laughs> against Belcher in so long and they were open with like. Um. Uh, what's the story? The new storybook card, the one in a green. Look the um, top four. Look at a, look for a creature or lands. It's one in a green. If it's the first spell, you oh, play. once upon a time. Yeah, once upon a oh, time. Okay. Yeah. So like they led like once once upon a time. Um. In uh, and they played like Taiga, but they didn't reveal Taiga off of once upon a time. Uh, and then they just like cast a bunch of uh rituals and then empty the warrants me. <laughs> And I'm just like, oh, is this like, and I, I'm playing Breach at the time, so I'm like, I'm just thinking like Storm decks in my head. I'm like, is this like some weird new red-green Storm deck? Like, what's going on here? And then game two, they just belchered me, and I'm like, oh, fuck, of course. <laughs> it all makes sense now. <laughs> so, Tom, has that been your, your your experience? Like, have you seen a really diverse metagame, or is this is this challenge just kind of like a, you know, a, a, a flash in the pan? Okay, um, it should be noted that you're talking about yesterday's event, right? Correct. Uh, yesterday's event wasn't a traditional challenge. Um, so yesterday was, they have a, I think it's called the Showcase Challenge. Um, ah. So basically, it's sort of similar to how the playoffs were last year, how they had the quarterly playoff events. Mm-hmm. So I think there's maybe three or four of these this year. Um, and you had to have 40 QPs to actually enter this event. Okay. Which is... They rearranged all of the play structure. So you used to get more QPs for playing in leagues, and now they lowered that to four for a 5-0 and two points for a 4-1. Mm-hmm. So essentially, to get the amount of points you need to play in this event, you need to 5-0 10 times or 4-1 20 times or some combination you know, of the two to get to the 40 mm-hmm. since like mid-December when the points reset. Oh, wow. So, okay. so like not very much time at all. Yes. So, you know, for reference, I was the trophy leader last year and I barely had enough QPs <laughs> to play in both the PTQ last weekend and this event. Wow. So the only way realistically most players could actually get the points for this is to play in the prelim events, which are 30 ticks, I think, to enter. So $30 essentially to or 300 play points to enter those events. And you have to four one or better one of those events to get the points to enter this. So this field was like think the exact number was 79 players um, which is relatively low and basically every player in this event was really really good so this was essentially a playoff event from yesterday okay so when you're talking about the diversity some of it's forced because if you just go down the just going down the list like you have vuk who's a four color loan master um ollie's always on lands um uh, john ryan's almost always on death and taxes um you know i'm usually almost always on depths brian cook's always on tests um, JPA is always on sneak and show. So right. you have probably 30 people out of the 79 people that are just on their traditional deck of choice. I see. Archetype um, masters. 
More or less, yeah. And then, you know, probably a little over half the field running whatever they think the best position deck is. So, or in the case of the two people that did the best, the new Breach deck. So this isn't, I don't think, a. I think Legacy is pretty diverse. Whether you want to argue mm-hmm. that's kind of forced or not is another issue. But this event, I don't think, is a, is a good place to point to for evidence of that. This okay. Because I, I have heard a few people say that they think the, the metagame is really diverse right now and I, I again i haven't really watched the challenge uh deck lists those deck dumps very closely so this is the first time i'm really looking at one in a few weeks and it was obviously very it really stuck out to me but that's uh so so let's say aside from this week how is it how has it been it's been a mixture yeah. it's really weird because because of, of the way they redid the structure again league plays almost like casual play now so hmm. you have you're not getting enough QPs to play in the major events, grinding leagues, unless it's over a really long time or you're playing a ton. So they already, over the last year, they already reduced the price from 12 to 10 ticks. Then they leveled off the prize pool um, so that if you go roughly a little over 50%, you're either breaking even or not doing that poorly. So you can mm-hmm. basically, you can reasonably play if you're doing even remotely decent. You can reasonably play without losing a ton. And then, and then they made the recent change where prelims give um, a, a forty points for a four-one or better. So, but those are thirty tickets to to enter. So they're kind of they're kind of driving a lot of the better players to other events, um, especially the prelims. So you have you're lowering the bar to enter it, and then leveling off the prize pool, and then having an event or multiple events because they also had a PTQ in this showcase event that are attracting other players to other spots, very good players. So, and then legacy is getting hammered by not getting a GP and stuff like that too. So over the last week, I've seen a number of very good players. Um, Cyrus just posted today. Um, um, Casey Lancaster posted a couple of days ago that basically they're not playing legacy anymore because mm-hmm. there's no competitive path to, you know, they're more looking at a, you know, pro tour style or even like star city tour style competitive area so you have so many factors that league play is just not what it was it's not the you know there was a point where when it was 12 ticks to enter and the prize pool was very top heavy there was a point where leagues were really 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 tough and i think that's not the case anymore so when they do the 5-0 deck dumps you know it's not that's not great that people are 5-0ing and that the leagues are still a ton of fun but you know, I've only played a couple leagues in the last week or two, and I'm playing things like Pox and Splinter Twin, and you know, um, I played Elementals twice, like an Elemental mm-hmm. theme deck, and you know, people are just having fun with it, and that's great, especially if more players are in the format. But I don't know that that would be representative of what a competitive tournament see, would look like. I see. Okay. So, I mean, it's not necessarily that pe- less people are playing; it's just the overall mood. Of the fo- of the format online seems to be shifting to a more. I feel like it's going back to the original days of Legacy, where it wasn't just about maximizing the best deck, and people really, um, you know, followed their pet deck. Yeah, I think that's true in the league play. But once you start entering the prelims and then stuff like the PTQ, I think people are going to run the deck that either they feel they've mastered or they mm. think's best position to win. So it depends on where you're looking. I think the Sunday challenges have become a little bit more casual and mm. the leagues have become much more casual, but the prelims, the PTQs, the showcase events, those are still pretty cutthroat. That sounds like it's probably better for the format overall, right? Like, like 
so that people who want to play on a you know on a, a you know regular basis but aren't like the most competitive players have a place to play. It's kind of like how they they had the friendly versus competitive leagues, uh, and they then they combined all those in Magic Online. It's kind of like the friendly leagues now are like the um, you know the leagues that that run every week, and then the competitive leagues are the ones that are on the weekends, like you said the uh, the qualifiers and all that stuff. Yeah, the prelims are all week actually. They're just at really really weird times. Like most people that work can only hit one depending on what time zone they're in. So like there's I think four or five of them during the week. Um, but for the East Coast, you can, if you have a nine to five job, you can only hit I think the Thursday ones at six o'clock on the East mm-hmm. Coast. And it's the same thing on the West Coast. There's only one that really um, works, and I'm sure that's kind of the case for most zones. Gotcha. So. Where do you feel yourself being drawn? Like, are you, you know, playing more casual style? Or are you still trying to chase those those competitive tournaments? Uh, leading up to the last round when they introduced the prelims, I was playing a lot of leagues. You know, I was competing. Yeah, I just, you know, saw myself still kind of relatively competitive with the top grinders. So I decided I wanted to participate in the trophy race last season. But that ended in January, and then the prelims kicked in. So I think I'm only going to play leagues for fun every now and then um, and focus more on writing and playing in the major events. And if I need points to play in the major events, the prelims. Right. Right. Huh. So I, I have still just been doing leagues. I have a bunch of QPs or whatever the hell they're called now that I never use and just let them expire every time. Um, Personally, for me, I just I don't like I don't have the time to like dedicate spending eight hours in front of my computer. Yeah, I think some of the events end up being seven rounds. Like yesterday's was seven rounds, so the Swiss probably took a little over six hours. But yeah, that's asking a lot for people on weekends, which is probably why even though the standard legacy challenges have only been like between seventy and low, a little over hundred players on any given week. You know, which for legacy event that you can play in your pajamas that's that's relatively low so i think that a lot of people fall into that boat yeah um it's it's interesting do you feel that there's any threat to legacy online i know that's probably the forefront of everyone's mind right now like everyone's worried about uh the you know kind of shit show that was the wizards ama um I, I guess I shouldn't say worried. Everyone's just kind of a little pissed off at Wizards. Um, do you feel that bleeding over to Magic Online? Is there any concerns there? No, I think it's the opposite on Magic Online. Like, I don't like the way they structured the QPs. I wish it was a little bit more balanced, um, where you could realistically get there for League Play. It doesn't need to be over the top, but maybe just a little bit higher. Um, so maybe like 5 for a five zero, three 3 for a four one, and 1 for a three two. So people could just play leagues here and there, have a life, and still be able to play in a major event every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be nice, but you know, I don't think there's any threat to play if, if anything, like, so besides league play, I got to play in a PTQ, um, the format championship and this showcase challenge all in the last three weeks. So that's online, actually, <laughs> yeah, which is, which is insane. So like for a paper event, like, yeah, I could go to some like local events or maybe within driving distance, there's like a 2k once a month or something along those lines, or I could you know, make the six to eight hour trip trek up to leaving a legacy at some point, you know, 
Haha. <laughs> 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 so. Which which I promise I'm gonna do at some point. <laughs> one of these days, Tom. One of you these days. You don't have one of them coming up, do you? Uh yeah, there there could be one, you know, in uh you know, seven days. Well actually twenty four hours from when this podcast gets released. <laughs> start driving. <laughs> start start driving. <laughs> On my way. Am I gonna be able to walk there in time? Uh yeah. Yeah, if you run. Run. All right. <laughs> um, i think i can do that but uh but uh so, right. go, so going back to your point about like um you know some people stepping away from legacy online it's not necessarily because of lack of opportunity it's more just change in priorities it's yeah. a, it's like a different it's entirely separate competitive path and you know for people wanting to do like the pro tour grand prix path you know legacy doesn't line up with that anymore but that doesn't mean there's a lack of competitive uh, you know, tournaments to attend online. Yeah, exactly. It still does lead through to the mocks eventually. So if you top eight one of the showcase events and then win the event that feeds, then I think that gets you in. Or I forget how it works exactly, but eventually you can end up in the mocks. Yeah, yeah. So there so, is the pro, but it's, but it's a really, really <laughs> narrow window. Right. Like if your if your ultimate goal is to get on the pro tour, that is probably like the least you know efficient way to get on it <laughs> yeah so top eighting a gp is a dream that people could realistically have um you know yeah i mean when, even someone like me could top eight a gp like if i can do it come on now <laughs> yeah, top eighting a showcase into winning whatever the follow-up event to that is is, is a significantly higher bar so it's tough i mean i wish they did i don't understand personally why they can't do one to two legacy gps a year yeah, I'm actually, I'm in. Uh, Jonathan Medina invited me on his podcast, so I'm going to be appearing on that tomorrow with uh, also Joseph Dyer, uh, who writes the This Week in Legacy for MTG Goldfish. Um, he's going to be interviewing both of us about kind of the state of legacy right now and our perspectives of it. And yeah, I mean, I think that's what everyone's uh, stance is: is that you know they're also the fact that they're like by the numbers the most attended gps of any format um because it's only one and it's a special occasion like the fact that you're taking that one away just you're clearly not doing it because of attendance (laughs) right like people weren't showing up to the magic gps in fact they they were showing up in droves despite there being issues with (laughs) the actual timing of the of the gps you know like i don't want to be too much of a conspiracy theorist in foil hat but like i do you should see my my bedroom right now it's like all <laughs> string and uh red tight red thumbtacks and on like, a cork board and yeah. there was there was definitely some conscious decisions put into place in le- the last couple legacy uh like time frames and, and locations like fucking easter yeah, like there's no <laughs> doubt in my mind that that th- that was done because that that was done to try to tank the numbers i feel like that's completely true i mean it's it's realistic that it could have just been a priorities thing they had x number of weekends to schedule this thing and legacy's just at the bottom of the barrel so they gave it whatever they thought the worst weekends yeah not not necessarily to make a sales pitch to cut it the following year because star city didn't do that they had the same events they had roughly the previous year and then they just axed it Mm -hmm. so you don't necessarily have to justify it i mean yes the star city reasoning could have applied to the gp they already drew them a map so i don't think they necessarily needed to you know intentionally throw a bad date i think they just said we're going to market the formats we think are marketable 
on the better dates and legacy can have what's left over. Yeah. I think everyone was just really pissed off at wizards because of the way they reasoned it because they said, um, I don't know if you have the actual quote pulled up in front of you, Pat, but, um, I can probably pull it up. Yeah. Basically they said the reason why they're cutting GP uh, was because of attendance. And I think they said like uh, amount of amount that the, the the format was being played, which like yeah, sure, legacy is the least played format, obviously, but it's not an attendance thing per se. Does that make sense? I think you know what I'm saying depends on how you want to interpret it. You could also yeah. interpret it as people showing up for the event, not just for the main event. Um, which which goes back to your Easter argument. Like obviously, there may have been less people there overall, or it could just mean you know, the total number of people is less and they're just, they're marketing events. So at the end of the day, we want to market it to the events or yeah. to the formats that have the most players. But to me, that doesn't make a ton of sense because they can have side events for all of the formats they want at any of these. So anybody that's in that area can still go play and they're not, they're not broadcasting them anymore on Twitch. Yeah. So if you're not streaming it, that takes most of the, like it's not a commercial anymore. Like right. it used to be. So what's the difference between having a modern and a legacy GP and river and swapping the side events. If you're not really going to be showing it to anyone outside of the host area, there's just a lot about wizard strategy in this area that doesn't make a ton of sense. Cause also it's like, if they're pursuing that path, that's fine. But then that also means the reserve list doesn't matter because like legacy doesn't have anything to do with your market strategy. Um, so then in that case, like what, like why do you need the reserve list to, bolster prices because you know yes you want it to have a chase rate but if you're shutting down um you know everything uh, every um what am i what's the word i'm looking for like there's no opportunity uh, to play the cards yeah there's no opportunity like the, that's gonna lower the price too it just it just really well it's mind-boggling i don't I, I can't completely get behind that point jerry although i want to because it's not like black lotus is tanked and that you don't play vintage anywhere anymore so i can't yeah. totally get behind that that point but i understand what you're saying and yeah, it's 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 just it's just unfortunate. I think um I was listening to the spike feed this morning and uh Curtis was they they kind of touched on this topic as well and he was just saying that, you know, Wizards had the best version of any tabletop card game of all time in Legacy and they did a poor job of being its steward. And that this is just kind of the fallout from that and that's it seems like there's really no there's no way back from here. And it's just, it's a huge bummer, man. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, it's, there's going to be areas like, like ours and, and, and Jeremy down in Missouri that are going to continue to try to hold events and keep the format alive. But, um, you know, without support from wizards, it's very difficult to continue to do that. Unfortunately, uh, I wouldn't go that far, Pat, because like by that reasoning, old school wouldn't exist. Like there wouldn't still be vintage tournaments. Like I feel the legacy community can keep legacy alive for a long time to the point where I'm not surprised if legacy outlives modern. Like I see modern disappearing within a mm-hmm. couple of years. Well, I think because modern is not modern doesn't have the a um, point. <laughs> what's that? A point anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, because they're because pioneers come and replaced modern, you know, the, modern was only well loved because it was a competitive, you know, quote unquote, eternal format. And now, you know, with pioneer taking its place, I think that we'll see modern, kind of go the way of extended if that makes sense yeah and that's what i think like wizard's plan was and i believe this is medina's point of view that he's going to be coming at when we talk about it on uh, his cast but that wizard's plan was like the progression was standard modern legacy 
now the gap between modern and standard is so big that Wizards is now like, oh, we'll just shift it over. Now it'll be standard, pioneer, modern, and those will be the formats that everyone plays. But I think the end result is it's going to end up being standard, pioneer, modern just disappears. But the legacy community, like no one in the legacy community wants to go and play pioneer instead. Like, come on, <laughs> like the same people I've been playing legacy with are the same people I'm seeing at FNMs and showing up. And then I'm seeing new people who'd come to the format usually from modern that they're just kind of tired of modern or i've also been noticing a lot of new people who just went straight into legacy and i'm yeah. just like why <laughs> what, what were you thinking but it's always like oh my friends introduced it to me this seemed really cool so i got into it and they right. literally went from never playing magic before to legacy like yeah. that that's what happened to my friend Josh that we had on the cast. We introduced him to Legacy. He came right in. There was a pair of, there's uh, this group of, I want to say, uh, I'm guessing they're probably like 16, 17 years old, and they start started playing the turn, uh, Legacy, and they just came straight into Legacy, like right off the bat, because mm-hmm. one, of, one of them had played it and introduced the others to it. So it, it almost feels like Legacy is just kind of saying, fuck you to Wizards and just doing its own thing. Which I think is is nice in a way. Yeah, that's certainly possible. What's your opinion, Tom? Yeah, I mean, I think it has to be grassroots a little bit to a certain extent. They're obviously not. I mean, maybe they hear the complaints and we get a GP in the third or fourth quarter, um, but it doesn't seem especially likely considering the monopoly. That um, I'm not even sure who's in charge between Wizards and Channel Fireball as far as picking events. Um, I don't even think they are entirely like it definitely has felt the last year that Wizards uh, organized play has just been a chicken with its head cut off for like the last year or so. Yeah, so it depends on who's in charge. I think maybe if it's Channel Fireball, we get based on the feedback, we get one. But if not, you know, there have been a number of, as you, know, you mentioned, um, the Missouri events and your events. But, um, yeah, there's some events going on in D.C., that they're trying to get a regular um, thing going. The Legacy Pit is yep. trying to work with some events. So, you know, I don't think it's going anywhere. There's going to be some grassroots type events, and you're st- we're still getting a flow of information. So there's a ton of Legacy play online. So we're still getting, you know, four, or five, six dumps a week between prelims, the challenge, mm-hmm. um, leagues, and anything else. So there's tons of Legacy out there. It's just it's just going to be different. My barometer for the health of the format is new decks and innovations. Like the big thing with vintage when vintage really started to die off was there just stopped being new decks. There stopped being, you know, big shakeups in the format and it just kind of solidified. Legacy is still a very fluid format. It is still lots of shakes up shakeups. We just see this new breach deck uh, come into play. Um, you know, there's still a lot of stuff going on, so I'm not really worried about legacy as long as I'm seeing these changes and innovations take place. I think that's more of a traditional barometer. I think given the printings of the last year plus that's been driving a lot of it. So we're not necessarily seeing like these changes, innovations that aren't, you know, breach is cool, but the card's busted. You know, all the Oko decks are cool, but the card is insane. You know, same thing with Veil and all the other cards we've gotten throughout the last you know, 12 months or so. So, I don't know. Like, I don't think the pace of cards that were eternal playable were even close to good enough to compare past results to 
things that are going on right now. Yeah, uh, that's that's another point. I mean, we are in uncharted territory. No one really knows how the future is going to hold. I guess the real question that everyone's wondering is, should people be panic selling out of their decks right now? What was that? Do you think should people be panic selling their decks right now? Like, are we are we seeing like prices crash? Like, do you do you think like how serious of a blow do you feel this was for Legacy? Uh, I don't think people are going to panic sell their decks. However, I know a couple of players, pretty prominent players, have like defoiled their decks, um, which I think is a very good idea. Mm-hmm. Like if your if your deck is, you know, instead of like a five thousand dollar deck or you know three or four thousand dollar deck, if you have a ten thousand plus dollar deck because you're running whatever beetle lands <laughs> um <laughs> you know foiled out the entire deck then yeah that might be the kind of thing that you want to scale back to a traditional version but you know if you're still getting use out of it and there's still local events and you still enjoy playing with your friends you know i think it's worth keeping yeah panic sell the way i the way i've always said it is legacy is like skiing you can't go skiing in every part of the country but if you like skiing and you want to go someplace that is a skiing destination and has a bunch of locals who love skiing, you can do that. And if you're fortunate enough to live in a city that's really big on skiing, then you can be a ski bum and play and ski all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Leg- legacy is the same way. It's like people who live in legacy hotbed areas, like uh, the Arizona guys, the DC guys, um, Northwest with uh, like Mox boarding house, new England, of course, you know, if you leave in uh, St. Louis too, if you live in these legacy hotbed areas, you can play a hell of a lot of legacy. You know, we can. There are still legacy uh, F and M at the various shops around here, like four or five nights a week, every week. Um, you know, and that's great. And uh, if you don't live in those one of those areas, like I'm, that sucks. You know, try and get a scene going. It's always possible to get a new legacy scene going in your town. But if you want to travel to play your for- favorite format, you'll also have that opportunity with all of the regional grassroots tournaments. Mm-hmm. Which, like speaking of, we're trying to get there with leaving legacy open. But hats off to Jeremy because his tournament is a better value than any GP I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's supposedly going to get crazier too. He's he's been talking about a 40k at some point yeah that'll be wild which i really want them to be super successful because i feel that like the best revenge is getting even and i feel like that's the best possible outcome if jeremy throws the legacy tournament and and this tournament is bigger than any gps out of business that'd be (laughs) awesome (laughs) like oh your 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 pioneer gp got 750 people that's cool (laughs) we had a 40k yeah i mean he's off to a good start the the first event sold out almost immediately three months in advance when i don't think a magic tournament has ever sold out three months in advance (laughs) what's a gp cost nowadays it's been a while 100 bucks so basically the same price as a gp yeah but the ev is insane like it's a 20k but it's capped at 200 people and he's giving away a piece of power as a door prize so one person's gonna walk through the door and be instantly positive ev for the week Jeremy, if you're listening, you should choose me for uh, <laughs> non-biased reasons. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, there's still like people. Yes, are going to panic whenever we hear news about this. People panic, but like 
we've seen the writing on the wall. It's not like it's a surprise. Like, I feel almost like I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> like, it's not like this was a shock. We we knew this was coming. It was just a matter of when. And I think we've been prepared for it. Like, we've been getting this grassroots scene going for several years now. And, you know, it's real easy to just kind of slide right over into that and say, yeah, well, if Watsy, you don't yeah. care about us, we don't care about you. Yeah. Again, t- I'm getting tired of that topic, honestly. Like, it's... Yeah. It's become like really tiresome to to be talk about how Wizards has been pulling back, pulling back, pulling back support for Legacy, and and the support's th- going to come from the community and blah blah blah. I think it's everyone just, just wants it to be a clean break. It's just like end yeah. it, just like That's, say it. That was like you know that was kind of my like when I responded to the um, their message on on Tumblr or wherever the fuck it was. Um, just like you know, just just give us the the straight up you know, just tell us honestly. Like if you don't want to support the format, just come out and say it. It's fine. Just. You know, just stop, make it stop, a clean- stop giving us hope. Yeah, they're just <laughs> like, jerking us around, and it's it's frustrating. You know. Yeah. So. So. Uh, what I think is going to be interesting is uh, the proxy debate. I think is going to be kind of going to become the new big thing. Hmm. Um, already with the Legacy Unchained event, we got a lot of very passionate people from both sides talking about proxies, mm-hmm. but. I've also been hearing privately from people that, uh, you know, it's like if Watsy isn't going to support the format, um, you know, why should we really listen to the reserve list? Like, why, you know, let's just let's have all the tournaments we want and use proxies, use um, like sweet cards that, well, it's like if if it's not going to be sanctioned anyways, because nothing matters, it doesn't go towards anything for Watsy. Let's just have a bunch of unsanctioned events and use sweet proxies and then we don't have yeah. to worry about the reserve list. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for proxies as long as they, um, you know, are presentable. I just don't like Sharpie on the back of a magic card. That's my least favorite kind of proxy. But if you put a little bit of work into it and, uh, you know, it, it looks nice, then I'm I'm all for it. Like, I love proxy guy proxies. Like, I think he makes amazing work. And there's also other people out there that do some really good proxies. I just wish there was a way to make those more accessible so that people could use them in tournaments. And, like, that would be the standard. Like... Hey, we're having a proxy tournament, but you better have like good quality proxies. Yeah, I think I think China's been on the on the forefront of that uh, <laughs> for quite a while now. You might want to just check out some some of the uh, the deep web uh, websites for that. <laughs> Jesus, Pat. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're looking for high quality proxies, that I'm t- not ones that are counterfeits, Pat. <laughs> what's the difference? What's the difference? They're fake cards. Are fake cards, right? Uh, if if put- China made listen, if China made those exact same cards, right? And instead of it saying, I don't know, whatever the rare symbol was, it just said proxy on it. Like, what's the difference? Well, that would be fine because it could never be mistaken as a real card. Yeah, like, sure, I, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Look, yeah, I don't want I don't want anyone to buy a, a I don't want anyone to buy a proxy, uh, you know, a counterfeit card, and then try to pass it off or you know, try to pass it off as an authentic card. But like, I really have no pro I have no problem with like people getting you know proxies and using them in events. I, I I'm I really, I really wish wizards would just print official proxies. That is like an oxymoron. That, that makes it would make there would be no reason. I know. For them. I know what you're saying, but there's like literally no reason for them to do that. Yeah, and then, especially then, for yeah. a format that they're not even supporting anymore. Of course, yeah, you know. But so, I mean, I would love for them to be the norm, though, so we could say, "Hey, we're having a legacy tournament. You know, official proxies are allowed. You yeah. can use them totally." But you know, not the case. What's what's your opinion on on the uh, proxy debate, uh, Tom? As far as local stuff, I don't see why for store based events they shouldn't be fine. What about for something like 
Jeremy's or our thing, you know, uh, a big regional size tournament. Um, I don't know whether that would impact attendance, to be honest. Um, I don't think sanctioning matters to the vast majority of the legacy community. So I would imagine it wouldn't matter. And if anything would open it up to people that might not be able to play otherwise, but, but there is that also might be a nightmare for the judging staff though. That's the problem that it is, is like a lot of stores don't want to allow proxies because if you know, where's the line, if you allow unlimited proxies, why does your store even exist? If everyone can just make their own cards. Yeah. I mean, you're going to run into communication breakdowns too. Yeah. Depending on the level of the proxy, if it's literally Sharpie on blank card, that's yeah. just asking for it. Um, so, if you have some kind of printer system where it doesn't, where it's the right thickness and everything and there's no deck based issues, then maybe, but yeah, anything less than something that looks just like the real card is going to lead to a lot of communication issues. Yeah. And I know there are definitely players who refuse to play in proxy tournaments. Um, like myself, I don't really have any interest in playing a tournament that allows Sharpie on cards because like, that's just not an enjoyable experience for me. Like part of magic is the visual aspects of it. And if we're just playing with like, nothing pisses me off more than a 60 card deck of proxies. That's entirely uh Sharpie. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's as long as the visuals there, most of the, the, long-time legacy players will be fine like you can look across the table and recognize the art for a cabal ritual regardless of the language it's in um but if there's no visual cue and you have to look across or ask the person for whatever card is that's just not really an enjoyable dynamic for a lot of people yeah yeah it's really just a it's a question without any easy answer yeah i think at a small store if you have 8 to 16 people and it's the difference between firing an event and not by all means build your community and give store credit to the winners of the tournament and they can build towards getting their decks together. I think that's great. But if you're going to talk about like a 20 K or a 40 K, that sounds like a logistical nightmare. Yeah. Or you could be like Pat, who's, uh, you know, waving on the Chinese container ships full of, uh, <laughs> fake Reebok and bring them on in boys. It's <laughs> 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 got the two like light flashlights. Uh, and he's just like, what is that? Over a, his head. Was that a 40 yard or a mox diamonds? All right. Back them on in guys. Back them on in. <laughs> um i mean yeah it's uh, there is uh, definitely a subset of people that are angry too it's just like well fuck watsy if if you're not like i want to give you money if you're not going to take my money then i'm just going to go give it over here they're going to give me what i want yeah now it's going to go to china imagine that (laughs) yeah i think that's that's the whole proxy counterfeit debate is going to become the new the new like debate of the legacy, uh, you know, community, I feel. And there's going to be some very strong opinions on both sides. I don't think we're ready to let go of the reserve list argument yet. <laughs> uh, well, I think, the, I mean, I think it's like a natural ex- extension of the reserve list. What's well, like it's the next step, but we haven't gotten past the reserve list in years. <laughs> so like, what makes you think we're going past it now? Uh, it's like the 12 stages of grief. <laughs> it's just like, to, <laughs> we've, we, we've, we've moved past denial. We're now into acceptance. <laughs> Yeah, there's probably a decent number of proxies from, you know, Chinese counterfeits that are already in the tournaments. I I don't, I don't think people are hawking the other side for anything that looks slightly questionable. Right. And now that, and now the GPs are gone, it's probably going to be even more of an open season. Yeah. Especially like, 
I'm I'm not I would be surprised to learn of an event that wasn't using like a a big event that didn't have at least one deck that had proxies in it, whether it was found, caught or not. Um, because yeah, I mean they, yeah, you can tell they're fake when you're holding it in your hand outside of a sleeve, but when it's double sleeved across the fields, like underneath an equipment or something like that, like people just don't notice. Not that we're encouraging people to do this, mind you. It is. I, I, I yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> it's not illegal. I, I, I realized that as I was saying that. I'm like, wait, we just well, told them how to build a bomb on the air. What's Wizards gonna do? Ban me from Legacy GPs? <laughs> Pat, the, the world would never even know if they did because they don't have they don't have the list that we can check anymore. <laughs> You just get a letter or an email, you're banned, and you just keep that to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Why is Pat never playing in the Leaving a Legacy Open anymore? Oh, he's got to do commentary. He can't, he can't play. Uh, anarchist Pat. That's what it is. <laughs> Let it all burn, Jerry. Let it all burn. Man. Um, I wonder if that's going to cause graded cards to increase in value as the collector's item of choice. I mean, as far as reserve list graded cards, they're already astronomical. Yeah. So it's gonna really. it's gonna all gonna come crashing down at some point. There's there's no way these cards continue to hold their value. It's all gonna it's all gonna mm. come crashing down. It I depends. It I don't depends. think that. Listen, Black Lotus doesn't hold any doesn't hold any value. Well, holds significantly less value to someone who's not in the thirty to fifty year age bracket. If if you're a twenty year old, the black the black lotus has nothing has no nostalgia for you, so it's not worth paying a premium for. It's just like we're gonna get old and we're gonna start selling off our cards to pay for our medical care in retire in retirement, and uh, it's just gonna tank. It's gonna tank all those cards. That's if they even hold a value into our sixties, which I doubt they will. I mean, sure, I agree with that, Pat. But that's also like saying that, yeah, these cards are going to lose value after three more decades, which I'm okay with. <laughs> like, yeah, oh no, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> like I'm telling you, like, yes, all things end, Pat. The yes. heat death of the heat death of the universe will take place. But how I'm many not... <laughs> how many years do we have left on the doomsday clock? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, I I 100 put global Armageddon before right, let's before legacy let's, cards. Let's talk about the doomsday clock. Real quick. I say that without an ounce of sarcasm. Like I 100% think that the that uh, magic cards will hold value till the end of humanity because I don't think humanity has that long. <laughs> <laughs> the end will be will be so swift the bottom won't have time to drop out of the market. That's why. That's yeah. <laughs> Google Google as of two days ago says we're 100 seconds from midnight. All right, let's talk about this real quick. <laughs> so they just updated the doomsday clock, right? Listen, I want to know something. Like, what a bunch of fucking nerds sit in a room and debate about how close we are to midnight. That's such an arbitrary number. There's like, <laughs> like, who does that? I don't understand. Well, like, it, it doesn't matter. Also, it doesn't it matter. Made, it was made as a publicity stunt too, like as a uh, anti-war commentary because it was like how originally it was how close we were to a nuclear Armageddon. Right. So but counterpoint. How nerdy does it have to be to sit around and talk about the reserve list for the card game Magic the Gathering? <laughs> Honestly, I lose respect for myself every day that I do this. <laughs> every day that goes by, I feel a little, a little worse and I'm worse. I'm just about saying myself. you should understand the desire to sit around and talk about something. I don't. I don't because Regardless. I don't have empathy. <laughs> Jesus. Boomer Pat coming again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. 
Um, well, the title of this cast should absolutely be Legacy is 100 Seconds from Midnight. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Way to instill panic in the player base. I love it. Did I not say it was fine? <laughs> it's just a great title. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, clickbaity. I love it. Ship it, Pat. <laughs> done. I wrote it down. It's done. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's start wrapping it up here because we're, we're just over an hour now. Let's, uh, first of all, I want to thank our newest patron, J.W. Fisher. Thanks for supporting the Patreon. We really appreciate it. Uh, helps uh, fund all the stuff they do for the cast and um, also helps offset some of the costs of the, the LAL tournament. So we really appreciate that. Um, let's get into some scoops and poops, Jerry. Scoops? Uh, yeah. Um, Jerry, who are you going to scoop in the top eight this week? Uh, I am going to scoop in uh, Rodney Harrington for... Uh uh coming up with this sweet dreadstill list because it's awesome i love me some dreadstill and i'm gonna sleeve it up as soon as i get hours back on my rental service (laughs) any uh any poops uh yeah my food delivery guy who was only an hour and a half late his name's taco bell sushi (laughs) taco bell sushi exactly that's a weird name (laughs) uh indeed tom how about you any scoops in the top eight this week uh, question regarding uh, scoops. Of course. Is there a maximum number of people you can scoop in? Absolutely not. Oh, well, in that case, let's see. Give me a 15-minute window here. <laughs> okay, keep going. Um, I would like to scoop in um, Min and Max from the Min Max blog. Um, they allowed me to... They're hosting my depths write-ups, which is sweet. So now instead of having five different links to random Google documents on my Twitter timeline and having to direct people there. The ravings of a madman. <laughs> exactly. Little exactly. pieces like, of yarn connecting oh, to you, Google documents. Can you imagine oh, you. how Kaczynski would have gotten his manifesto out? That's probably a similar way, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Nice, Pat. So <laughs> instead of going back to November on my Twitter timeline to find the DNT right up, <laughs> it'll be right in one spot. So that's pretty sweet. So well, those guys hosting is pretty awesome. Um, on the same vein, I have the test one probably coming out in the next week or so. Um, and a bunch of people helped me out with that as far as giving me feedback and reading it over. Um, the test guys, Anthony and Bryant, um, helped me a lot with it. And uh, your friend, uh, Deanne Salver, Curtis, um, Solnox and uh, uh, Michael Mapson all helped me on the depth side. So I wanted to do a scoop all of them. Nice. Yes. And you guys for having me on, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Lazy community coming through. Any poops? Uh, yeah, also scoop you guys in. Or poop you guys, rather. Um, since we're over an hour and you have a depths uh, deck specialist on and we don't talk about dark depths at all. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. We had questions for you, Tom. Let's go over the questions real quick. Just, it just didn't work out. We're already in the end game. Post-credit, post-credit question, Tom. Post-credit questions. We're doing them. We're doing yeah. it live. All right. Well, Pat's got to do his scoops and poops. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to scoop in the top eight Dadchelor weekends. That's what I did this past weekend. We, uh, Myself and my two brother, two of my brothers rented a uh, – we didn't rent a cabin. We went up to a lake house in, uh, in New Hampshire with a bunch of our friends and uh, – Drank all the beer and liquor that was in New Hampshire, I think, and uh, enjoyed ourselves immensely. And it was a lot of fun. And uh, I, I highly recommend anyone who has children to spend a weekend away from them. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> get time away. Yeah, get time away. Uh, my only poop is uh, I uh, let's let's say I chose to sleep on a couch 
Um, and I woke up the next morning with like the most sore right knee of all time. And I think it's just cause the couch was really bad and like, and kind of concave and, uh, like my knee was still sore today and I slept on it, uh, like uh Friday night or going into Saturday morning. So, uh, that, that was, uh, that was a huge bummer. Uh, my knee was killing me, but on that it was a good time. So yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Let's get it. Let's get into these dark depths questions. Oh wait. Also, I forgot to scoop you in, Pat, because I listened to last week's cast, and I just wanted to say you killed the last week. Oh, thank you. Uh, I was uh, very apprehensive about doing it, and because yeah. because of that, I continued to procrastinate until the absolute last minute to record it. <laughs> <laughs> doing a one man show is tough, man. But you no, you had a good flow. You got a lot of information. And I saw a few people really appreciated it because. You know, people understand there are just weeks where we like last week where you just can't make it work, yeah. especially when we're organizing the open. It really takes up a lot of our time. So um, when just having like a little mini episode like that where you do an update for everyone and also just let them know all the other cool stuff going on in the community. But yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Good stuff. Yep. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, let's go over these uh, depths questions. Dips? Yeah. <laughs> this is very well organized. You guys are on a tight ship here. <laughs> so uh, wow, that beats a lot coming from you, Tom. So, uh, let, let's see. Um, that was creepy as hell. Are these the ones you screenshotted in the chat? Because I'll just I'll just read them out to you now. Uh yeah. I just asked uh, the one of the groups if they had any questions. Okay. So yeah. Um, stuff came back. Billy McNeil writes the strengths and weaknesses of various depths of versions. Why is Turbo Depths well positioned in this current meta? The new technology we've gotten in the past few sets. Why do these cards? Well, oh, sorry. What do these cards bring to the table? What do they replace, and why? That's a lot of questions. That is a lot. Billy is really getting in here. I don't think he realized we'd be at the uh, end of the end of the episode, but let's let's go for it. Let's let's get Billy. Billy, numbering systems are appreciated. All right. Well, let's start. With, <laughs> give us. All right. Let's start with. Let me let me let me set it up a little. Make it a little easier. Tell me the strength of of uh, slow depths. Uh better grind planned okay. essentially so they're they have depending on how it's set up they have dark confidant and stolen library so they can essentially reload easier um often have more creatures uh, a lot of times you'll see multiple uh, of the uh, elvish reclaimers and sometimes you'll even see like creatures or planeswalkers out of the sideboard so they have a better plan b and a better grind plan so but your trade-off is you're losing half the acceleration mm-hmm. and you know, and a lot of like cheaper free protection that the faster versions run. Okay, how about the strength of the quote unquote medium depth deck? Uh, slow is the medium depth deck. Oh well, then. Uh, <laughs> Same. So then, how about the the, the strengths of the turbo depths? Turbo depths is uh, obviously lacks everything that I just talked about. Right. <laughs> so no bobs, no no real grind plan. Um, the closest thing it has to a grind plan is Sylvan Library. So against plow decks, if they happen to plow lodge. You just draw a pile of cards and start over, try to combo again. Um, but outside of that, you're basically all in. You're running cards like Not of This World. And in, in my, in the case of my current list, it's running Not of This World and Sylvan Safekeepers and Numbers um, on top of a set of Pending Needles. So you're basically just trying to kill them as soon as possible. And I think that is the best position of the Depths decks at the moment. I don't even particularly care for Turbo Depths. Um, I think my Bug Depths deck died, unfortunately. Um, but with the pacing of play where the planeswalkers are now three drops instead of four drops, the broken ones and everything going faster, the combo decks are a lot faster. You have all LED echo interactions with Belcher and Tess. You have LED 
breach interactions. Um, everything's just a lot faster. Veil's also kind of a problem, so you really kind of want to get under a lot of decks and win as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not winning the long game with discard-based decks against Veil of Summer, or Snapcaster Veil of Summer, and stuff like that. Okay. Um, well, I know you mentioned it a little bit. Well, why? So he asked, why is Turbo Depths well-positioned in this current meta? Uh, basically I think you have to, I don't think depths is actually all that well positioned. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay. I think it's okay. Like it's still decent. Um, it's still playable. You can still do well with it. Um, but I don't think it's one of the top handful of decks. Um, but if you're going to run it, I think killing them as soon as possible is where you want to be. Okay. Um, let's see new tech we've gotten in the last few sets. Anything you want to really point out that you think is impactful? Um, I mean, the Reclaimer is kind of the biggest card right. that Depth Shell has gotten. Every other card that we get is better in some other shell. So, you know, for a little while we had Assassin's Trophy, but you know, that's not particularly great in the deck. It's actually better against Depths than it is for Depths. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Force of Vigor is pretty good, so that helps with Moon Stompy a little bit. Um, but that's devastating against us when it comes from lands because they can hit Pithy Needles and Sylvan Library and basically a lot of our really good cards against them. Um, and then Veil of Summer we can use to fight off opposing discard and push things through counters and stuff like that. Um, but obviously Veil is very, very good against the depth shell that runs, if any shell that runs eight discard spells. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, there's often Decays present, um, Bughead Flusterstorm. Um, even, there's just really awful interactions, like where they plow your creature, you not of this world, which is a colorless answer. They can Veil to make the Swords to Plowshares uncounterable encounter the not of this world which is really obnoxious (laughs) so so yeah so all these cards that are actually playable in depths are better somewhere else okay um all right let's move on to joseph france he asks uh he'd be interested in hearing about the flex slots in your current turbo list uh i.e one reclaimer in the side uh sorry i.e one reclaimer the sideboard not of this world um, the Reclaimer is just a ninth tutor. I think the shells, I've played a ton of different numbers, like all the way up to like 12 to 14 at various points, tutors, and all the way down to eight. Um, I think you really want nine or 10 tutors for consistency purposes. Mm-hmm. And the obvious ones are crop rotations or automatic and Sylvan scryings are uh, really good if you're not going down the once upon a time line, um, which I'm not a fan of in Turbo. I don't think that's very good in Turbo. Once upon a time is decent in slow depths. Um, I guess that's another card that's new from the last couple mm-hmm. of sets. Um, so once you get to the ninth slot, your options are really all less than stellar. So I hate Into the North as a card. I don't think it's very good. I think you're exposing your tapped depths to Wasteland a lot of times and then Surgical. Um, I don't think that card's very good. So you're you're into like Expedition Map territory. Um, which is rough when Karn's around and Revokers are around and just random answers that can get picked off before you can actually use it. Um, so of all the options, I think the Reclaimer is the best because it's a repeatable tutor. You can get your combo together, and if it lives, you can get a step to protect things, a bog for the yard. You know, it's just the best of the, the remaining tutor options. Mm-hmm. Okay. And not of this world, it's just a free counter. So okay. Plus, it can beat down and win the game itself. <laughs> yeah that's pretty rare for turbo it has it does come up um but yeah it's that's not that's not all that common of a of a line you, you really need to be running like three or four of them to really have a shot of doing that on any kind of consistent basis 
Okay, uh, Jared Jordan has a bunch of questions. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> let's go turbo here. We'll give you like the uh, give us the the one word answer. Uh, should we should we be playing <laughs> some number of dread or night dread of night since D and T is playable again? No. How relevant are opposing Veil vale of Summers against our seven or eight discard package? Uh, they're good, but you can sequence around them. How to board against Veil? Vale? Uh, how to board against Veil? Vale? You don't generally. Maybe you can shave a discard spell or two in some matchups, but those are your answer spells. You just have to learn to. This is gonna be more than an answer, but this is. Sorry, um, <laughs> you're doing so well. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm gonna just. I'm failing all the way on this question. I'm gonna just answer it now. <laughs> so people just have to learn that you don't have to cast your discard spell. So if you're on the play, you obviously just fire it off at the first window possible, or the first window where they don't have green up. And then if you see their hand and you need to take something more important and leave them with a veil, you just do it, and then just don't cast your other spells. Mm. Depths only has outside of the discard, it only has vampire hex mage for blue or black spells. So can just sit there and never have to cast another black spell before you kill them and they just can't do anything they can't cycle the veil they can't cast the veil so you can trade your follow-up discard spells for the veil just by not playing them so just learn how to sequence against the guard okay essentially uh to pithy needle or not to pithy needle i don't know what that means yeah neither do i i think that means to run it or not i run it yeah so, yes um duress versus inquisition uh i like a split because i think they're better each, each is better for certain things. Okay. Uh, nurturing peatland. Not a question, just a statement, I guess. Um, I don't run it in turbo. There's not enough room in the mana. If you're in a slower build that either you know, has more card advantage or is playing a longer grinder game, I think it's decent. Okay. All right, and last one from Cyrus Bales. Best ways to tackle the big influx of speedy combo in the form of breach decks that are very much the big news in the format right now. Uh, permanent based hate, especially permanent based hate that's not a creature. Those decks are running sorts of plowshares and numbers at the moment, so they only run a handful of bounce spells, so make it harder for them to p- pick off your answers. Nice. Alright, awesome. Uh, Tom, do you feel satisfied? Do you feel like you answered some questions? I did, but I didn't follow your instructions. Well, so yeah, I, th- I thought well, you did the best you could. I think you did fine. It's a violation, so I think we're officially, <laughs> I think we're officially 99 seconds to midnight. <laughs> All right, awesome. Uh, well, thanks again for coming on, man. It was great to have you. That's fun as always. You guys are great. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Jerry, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, anytime, Pat. I'm always happy to hang out with you. Jerry's already eyeing the food that's in his fridge right now. Be, no, I'm no, no, so no, hungry. No, be, be, be honest. You already ate your Taco Bell sushi. <laughs> now I kind of want Taco Bell. <laughs> should, I just leave the, should I just leave the sushi in my fridge? No, eat the sushi, on the way. Eat the sushi while you're ordering DoorDash Taco Bell. Because you know it's going to take forever to get there. I actually the closest Taco Bell to me is like twenty miles, but I'll still drive. It Jeez, so good. <laughs> wow, twenty miles, but you were complaining about getting up for a seven a.m. flight. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, because I don't need to wake up at seven a.m. to go twenty miles, Pat. No, 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 you need to wake up at you need to wake up before seven a.m. Jared to get to a seven a.m. flight. Just let's be clear on this, right? The plane's going to leave with me, whether or not you're there. <laughs> Pat, let's be real. You're carrying me to the airport at 7 a.m. That's fine. That's our our return flight. Our flight going out is actually at 9, so you'll be you should be happy about that. So I could I could I can get in the shower at like 630 and we'll be fine. Right. Pat? I mean, you can do whatever you want. I'm going to be at the airport at 6 a.m. So (laughs) what? 6 a.m. All right, so basically, <laughs> after Jeremy's tournament, we're pulling an all night because it's, it's yes. the only way. It's yes. the only way I'm going to make it. Oh, I'm well aware. I'm well aware. <laughs> we're packing our stuff to go to Jeremy's tournament, and we're just going right from there to the airport. 
Are you guys doing coverage or are you playing? We're playing. We're playing. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited. Sorry. Sorry, let me rephrase that. I'm winning. Yes, I am participating. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, I'll give you a deck list. Sick. <laughs> uh, and you can name and you can name things with Pithing. Oh boy, I'm not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> I just gave you permission. I I need a I need to flip a coin and decide whether I'm gonna do a meme deck or a real deck and like because I paid for this tournament so far in exa- advance, it's a sunk cost. It's a sunk cost. I mean, the guy, last so. time you played a meme deck, you you top eight of the GP. So, Sneakachu is not a meme deck. <laughs> well, you've turned it last into time, a meme deck. The last time I played a meme deck, I uh, it was the Pro Tour. That oh, was geez. the last meme deck I played. You did okay on that. I did. I beat Saito. So I mean, memes memes can have dreams, guys. Is that the guy who's a cheater? Uh. No, well, he was banned, but not for cheating. For I forget what the actual story was. Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> I hope I just didn't defame. Uh, you know. Yeah, whatever, Pat. Just throwing some slander out well, as we know. close the show. Out. Oh well. All right. Anyway, Tom, thanks so much for coming on, man. It was great to have you, as always. Always, I learned a lot. <laughs> I know when I know when the world's going to come to an end. <laughs> yeah. I know your official. Yeah. And remember, on. guys, if you're feeling upset or bad or anything like that, and you're worried about legacy, just remember, legacy's going to last longer than the human race at this rate. So it's it's going to be fine. Yeah, absolutely. Pat, Pat, what's your official position on tariffs on Chinese counterfeits? On tariffs? Oh, that's a good. <laughs> yes. I'm not really into the protectionist tariffs, so I say uh, free trade. Free trade helps all, all right. the people. <laughs> has nothing all to do right. with Pat waving in that's Chinese consist- shipping That's a consistent position. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting a cut of those sales, right? That's all I really care about. <laughs> yeah, but no wonder Pat's against tariffs. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Thanks so much for hanging out. Uh, we're going to catch you. Oh, uh, also, one last thing. Special thanks to Justin Lutz. Uh, oh, no, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Scratch that. First of all, Follow the cast at LALMTG. Find Jerry at JME3RD. I'm at Pat Uglo. Tom is at Negator77. Uh, the stream is twitch.tv slash legacy. Find us on Patreon and Hipsters. Join the Facebook group. Email us, leavinglegacy at hipstersofthecoast.com. And, of course, thanks to Justin. He's our audio tech, our sound engineer, and a uh, recently nominated Emmy winner. Yeah, he also owns, like... 13 paper mills in china he he supplies oh. uh all these uh car you know cardstock i believe is what they produce Sick. justin get in touch with me man let's talk let's do some business <laughs> can i just say the the opinions voiced by uh individuals on this podcast are solely the opinions of the individual and it by no way reflect the opinions and standings of leaving a legacy podcast or its trademark in I also I I I just want everyone to know that I speak for the cast uh, completely. Uh, Just as (laughs) the Lorax speaks for the trees, I speak for LAL and all its subsidiaries. Uh, And I hope everyone has a great weekend. Uh, We'll catch you all at the LAL tournament and uh, try some edibles. They're good for you. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, strangely enough, also like Boston Market really pro (laughs) counterfeits. Here. They like sent me an official letter saying it's an official company. Get that sick, get that sick counterfeit mac and cheese. Yeah, they, my, and my they support. they signed it "Ride or Die, bitches." <laughs> That's very much a market thing. I supposed to stop this. <laughs> I'm stopping now. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna stop. One hundred seconds from. Now.
100 seconds from now.